Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. Oh, man, this one, I don't even know where to begin. This guy is doing everything, like everything integrated. I I was coming to this podcast with a bunch of heartache problems, little BS fires. And then I start uh, picking Casey's brain for a second, like, hey, man, what are you up to? And he just has an arsenal of different platforms that he is all integrating in-house, making it just a, a snowball, like like hell of a business. And more importantly, you know, coming from the accountant background to where he is today, over 90 million in real estate portfolio, focusing mostly on the birth strategy, 750 units. My God, just started in 2019, ladies and gentlemen. To say the least, I am very impressed myself, and it's just a blessing to have you on here, Casey. We are both in a, uh, a real estate mastermind with Ken Clothier, the boardroom, and I've been hearing other people like chat with me saying, man, you got to get Casey on. You got to get Casey on. He's just doing some crazy things. I haven't personally got to like connect with you on this level yet, so I'm excited yeah. to you know just dive in with you and hear more, but man, it's definitely inspiring to say the least. But Casey, welcome to the show, man. Anybody out there that doesn't know who you are, where you're from, do you mind just giving that 30,000 foot view for the listeners? Yeah, man, absolutely. First off, I appreciate the kind words and the introduction, right? It's uh, it's kind of funny when you're in it every day, you don't realize, you know, what you've been able to to accomplish and, the, you know, who you surround yourself with obviously matters. And we touched on that prior, right? And so it's humbling to to hear you kind of talk about that when, when I think about it, because again, we're just kind of in the weeds and you do our thing on a daily basis. So I appreciate that. But yeah, real estate investor, again, we, we started the business back in May of 2019. We started from scratch, just my business partner and I, you know, I always played poker back in the day. So, always, you know, I always refer to the two chip, two chips in a chair, right? The, the chip in a chair comment was two of us and we had a vision and a dream and, you know, just started attacking it that, you know, as Kent, you know, right? And the mastermind always says the time is now. And so we just started taking massive action, right? Based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, both of us here, our, our portfolio, you know, is primarily here in Pittsburgh. I would say 98% of the entire portfolio is here. We do have a few strategic investments now that are outside of Pittsburgh. But again, we are we're absolutely boots on the ground. We've done it all for Burma investing. We've actually started with uh, zero dollars, even at that, and we build everything we have with OPM. Right? We've literally never ever used a single dollar of our own money to invest in real estate. We started with zero dollars, and you know, continue to raise capital and continue to invest in real estate. I'll tell you, you know, the ninety plus million dollar portfolio. More recently, we uh, we've done four syndications over the last year or so on some bigger deals, and so obviously bringing in some equity partners. Primarily, prior to that, we did it all ourselves from an equity perspective and just borrowed debt and borrowed a lot of it, high interest, right early on, and continue to kind of uh, beat that cost of capital down. And then strategically, we've done some other investments, right? But I'll tell you, for us. You know, I'm sure you're going to ask some questions and we'll dive into a little bit, but we've been, you know, I'm a big believer in who, not how we're fully integrated, you know, from day one with my, you know, I'm going to, I was a CPA by trade in, in my previous life and past profession. And, uh, you know, I got to see a lot of, a lot of bigger companies, how they ran, you know, the ups and downs of those things. I just, you know, never thought I was an entrepreneur. I always said, I love Shark Tank, never had an idea. 
And I spent about 10 months as a CFO of a real estate company and said, wow, this is a uh, vehicle to, to build some, some crazy stuff here. We started to get after at that point on, but I knew from, from my business background in public accounting that it was always about enterprise value, right, EV. And so I said, hey, look, we're going to build a business on the backs of real estate, and that's what we're going to do. And so we're going to focus and heavily invest very early on in the actual business, right? So the culture, the people, the processes, the thing to keep this thing going, going around. So I have an incredible executive leadership team. I've got a ton of young, hungry uh, people that have bought into our culture and what we're trying to do here, build happiness, transform lives, strengthen the community. Uh, and that's what we do every day, right? We come to work and it's about you know making sure we're happy. I always tell people before they start here, the day that you have Sunday scaries at City Life is the day that you call me. We have a conversation. We can either solve that here or we help you find a job somewhere else because our lives are too short. And so if we're not creating happiness for everybody on a daily basis, then there's, this isn't a place for you, right? We don't want people being miserable here. And so it's created some success, right? It's created some massive growth. I think we'll do close to 20 million in revenue this year, you know, and then a you know, we're a, we're an investor in a, an accounting company that we're scaling relatively quick too. I think we did two hundred thousand in revenue just last month alone. You know, we're about a year into that. You know, we've already scaled that to twenty plus people in that business. And um, you know, same concepts, right? You know, I get we got different partners on that, but uh, same concept and same things as we're doing is you know create happiness. So uh, we've been very fortunate and lucky. So I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, man, dude, I, I love it. So I mean. You got a title company that you're bringing on as well. You got construction, you got property management, you got 60 plus employees at this point as well, all since 2019. I mean, that's just a few short years ago. So it's really impressive to see where you've come from to where you're at now. Me and Jen, we love Shark Tank and get so inspired with some of that, you know, yeah. the beginning entrepreneur steps of jumping in or the very, you know, experienced people you can learn from on there. But you know, you mentioned something that kind of caught my attention of like, huh, you know, I wonder how many other people felt the same way as you when it comes down to originally you thought you never really had that entrepreneur like spirit in you to be able to do all these things to make it possible. You just shot for excellence when you actually decide to go for it. You decided, hey, I'm going to do it right. But yeah. what was that transition? Was it somebody inspired you or friend, family? Was there some kind of influence or mentor? Or like, why did you think you weren't capable of it? And then some something shift to make you actually step forth and do it? Yeah, I think primarily, right, is, is you know, what I call my first 10 years in business where I was in public accounting. I bounced around jobs a ton, you know, because for me, it was, again, it was like, I'm not going to sit here and listen to it. It was all about the boss. I always hated my boss, quite frankly, because I didn't want to do things that someone told me to do that I didn't think were right. Yeah. And so I've always had a rebel in me, right? I was always talking back to my parents as a kid. And so I'd always speak up. I just could never find my happiness, right? But I didn't know what I didn't know. And the fact of, right, like you can actually go start a business and be successful with doing something without like creating a cool product, right? Like a better widget. Yeah. Yeah. So I never had knew that I could start a service business or invest in real estate, right? I always just thought like I had to come up with something. And so for me in my first 10 years, even though I was always pretty miserable, you know, my my motto was always just work harder than everybody. And so I said, look, for every time someone equivalent to me, which by the way, I started my career at Ernst Young in, a, in public accounting at a big four firm, right? So I was literally surrounded by the best of the best in the accounting world. I was probably the dumbest out of everybody. Like, you know, matter of fact, I didn't even get a job offer out of college. Uh, they called me six months later and said, hey, we did some realignment and a job's opening up. We don't want to go interview other people. Do you want it? Yeah. So I jumped on it. And so, you know, when I got in there, I quickly realized like from a pure smartness standpoint, I'm not it. So I was like, how do I get ahead? You know, I just started working harder than everybody. I said, whatever everybody else works, if I work double that, you know, in you know, t- t- 10 years, 
I'll have 20 years of experience. And so I didn't know what I was going to be good at or what that would entail, but I just thought I want to be ahead of the curve. And so I just always worked and worked and worked and worked and worked harder than everybody, you know? And it turns out I wasn't, you know, the dumbest one out there, right? I realized, I guess, right? And so so I started to build some confidence along the way. And so I settled down and took a CFO role. I was, I was traveling probably 70%, 80% of my time doing finance transformation work for companies across the world, big and small. And, you know, my job was to change finance for them and fix their, you know, really map out and fix their processes in their back office. And that's what they hired me to do. When I realized a lot of times I was ending up in the CFO's office of a Fortune 500 company telling them that they're the problem, literally saying, you're the problem, your culture is the problem, and you need to fix that. It's not the processes. I was just kind of sick of that and trying to fix other companies where I got no reward really at the end of the day. I was traveling and I was just miserable. And so an opportunity came up to take a CFO role at a local real estate company in Pittsburgh. So I took a massive pay cut, jumped on that role, and quickly realized that the culture was the same there as it was in a lot of places and was a massive problem. But I was at a leadership level there. And so, you know, I felt obligated for the people to try to fix culture and create what I wanted ultimately from a cultural perspective. The owner and I didn't agree on that. And so I lasted 10 months and he actually fired me. And at that point in time, I realized you know, after those 10 months being there, like this company was rel- very successful. And, yeah. you know, I thought, well, I'm ready. You know what I mean? I'm, 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 I think that I'm ready. And I realized that you don't necessarily need a product. And I realized while being there that real estate was an incredible vehicle to build a business off of. And so I didn't want to be a real estate investor. I wanted to build a business and use real estate to do that. And I learned the basic burn model while I was there because that's how they had built their portfolio. And so that was it, right? And so the next thing was like, look, I'm a massive believer in who, not how. I don't know real estate extremely well. I do now. Um, yeah. And I'm just a numbers guy. I still don't know the operational side of like, I mean, I'm, I don't even hang like the the pictures in my own home. I literally don't. I'm not good at it. I'm horrible at anything on my hands. And so I found a real estate partner. It's a t- you know, right then when I got fired, he was actually an agent. Funny story, he got me the job there in the first place. He was an agent there. While I was there, we, you know, we had actually booted him out of the agency and so on the agent side. And so then I called him and said, Hey dude, I know you're thinking about buying real estate. Let me do your books. Started doing that, I think, for like 20 bucks an hour for them. And then a couple of weeks in, we're like, hey, this is crazy. Why don't we partner up and scale a massive real estate company? And so we started then. We bought our first $40,000 home on uh, May 21st of 2019 and have since uh, took off. And, you know, it's about massive action, you know, from day yeah. one, take massive action. And that's what we're doing and learning along the way because, you know, mistakes create education. And so I was yep. thinking reading books and getting educated that way. It's like, let's just take action and learn, learn as we go. And so that's kind of what catapulted me in. It's funny. I got fired. That's what ultimately catapulted me into to building what I did. And so thank you know, God my though, right? Resents, my wife still resents the situation, but I say it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. But you know, aside yeah. from her and my children. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that, man. What a blessing. And it's it's hard to realize that when you're in the thick of it, right? But everything happens for a reason. So I love just that partner situation too. That's that's pretty funny. Was there anybody in your family or friends that were doing real estate or that pay cut to kind of jump in and, and join that firm originally? Not firm, but like real estate company. Was there something that was attractive to go over there or you were doing some accounting for other people and you're like, hey, these guys all have real estate? Like, what was it? Yeah, I, honestly, it wasn't. I didn't care for real estate at the time. It was, yeah. you know, what happened honestly was I was buying a house in the neighborhood I live in now okay. uh, um, and my real estate agent was my now business partner. And, and yeah. what happened was 
while we were at the house looking at it, he said, and I, he was friends with my older brother. We didn't really know each other very well at all. We've met a couple of times, but he'd gone to college with my brother and I was burnt out, right? I was just tired of traveling. We were looking to buy this house. I was like, I actually want to live in this house. I want to like spend time with my wife, like get married, settle down, have kids, et cetera. And he said, don't you do accounting? Well, the, you know, where I'm at on their real estate investment side, they fired their CFO and laid off their entire back office because the CFO got caught stealing. He said, I can connect you with them if you want. And so he connected me with the owner. And so I just started conversations. And it wasn't necessarily about real estate at all. For me, it was, you know, I was sick of traveling. And so I was willing to take a massive pay cut. Now, look, the conversations certainly stemmed around. If I come in and do a good job, you know, there's a massive opportunity, right? Just like all of us in real estate, we sell, sell, sell. That's what we do. And so he sold me on massive upside. And so I'm like, you know, I'm willing to take the chance if it means no more traveling. And then really it was coming in at a C-suite level, if you will. I mean, I want to really call it C-suite by any means, but coming in as a CFO where pretty much I was the number two in charge and then really being able to, you know, have my footprint on the company more than as a consultant. I mean, I was a consult, I was an auditor, then a consultant for 10 years of my life. And, you know, for me, it got old because again, I'm, I'm going in and fixing all these companies, but reaping no reward. Right. My company's getting paid and then I'm getting paid from my company. And like it's just, you know, the value add, you know, for me where you're changing and impacting people's lives and creating jobs and all those fun things that come along with business. I wasn't getting any of that reward. And that's what I wanted. And so that's why I took the leap, right? That's why I took the leap, took that massive pay cut. Then to your point, once I'm there, you know, quickly three months in, I'm like, wow, I now know how this company became so successful. I know what real estate can do. And that's when it kind of like, you know, a little bit of light bulb moment, like, wow, this can be an incredible vehicle to create, you know, to change a lot of people's lives. Oh, so yeah. that was the goal there. And so we started to do that while I was there. I really started to try to change the culture and different things. And just ultimately, uh, you know, I still didn't have the say so at the end of the day. And so it was, you know, when I got fired, I begged my wife, wasn't easy, wasn't easy conversations of yeah. give me six months, let me figure something out, but I'm not going to work for somebody again. I just can't do it. So it was a lot of hard days. You know, we we really had a cutback, right? On on all expenses. I wasn't bringing money in for about a year at all. And we just took a massive pay cut. We just bought a house. We just got married. <laughs> so it was uh it was rough living for a while, but obviously all worth it now at this point with what we've been able to build. It definitely is the testament of, of she's a keeper, right? That's a that's a good woman oh, to see. Sure. She uh, she works part time for us now, and it takes care of our yeah. kids part time. So uh, I love it. It's worked out well for her too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good, good. <laughs> I love that man. Kind of having that that work ethic that obviously you have, willing to outwork everybody else, and then you know, kind of almost that that's. I wouldn't call it stubborn, but that mentality of like, hey, the rebel mentality of that is really the entrepreneur spirit, I believe, challenging whatever is out there and then putting your twist to it or trying to make it better. I, I love how you have like you're not not necessarily a, a real estate guy. You you came into it falling in love with the business aspect. You're shooting for culture. You you care to make it excellent, not settle for less and see all the brokenness. You want to make things better and you want to get acknowledged for it, rightfully so. The real estate is just the catalyst to really excel that and put it to the next level. So for you- Yeah, I'm, um, I'm going to throw something in there for you too before you ask the next question, because I think it's really important. Yeah. I, I absolutely believe in that more than anything. And and so much so that you know, at times you'll hear me saying, we're not even a real estate company. We're a finance yeah. company at the end of the day. Yeah. Sort of nothing. And so- Finance and back office and accounting is a massive piece of our business. And real estate is just that vehicle to your exact point. So yeah, you know, I've become very good at real estate. I've become very good at driving the vehicle, if you will. But yeah, I'm yes. absolutely definitely not a real estate guy. I'll be honest. We bought 
you know, I think we're going to end the year between 90 and 100 single family homes that we bought and added to our portfolio. And I've actually been in zero of them this year. Like yes. been single, single property. I walk our multifamily that we buy, I think mostly just because I feel like I'm obligated to. Yeah. I'm really not even needed on those sites either, right? I just kind of, right. I got intuition. But uh, yeah, so to your point, yeah, man, I'm more of a businessman, more of a finance accounting guy than I am a, a pure real estate guy for sure. And, and I think it's so important for people to realize that and, and hear that, you know, like not enough people actually say those things or, or talk about that, you know, so you've built the system, you put the processes in place that you don't need to, like you've done very good. It's not uh who, it's how, right? Yeah. Or it's it's not how, it's, it's, not how, it's who. It's who, right? Yeah, yeah, we've got a leadership team that does, you know, most of those things, right? I've, you know, I'm mostly on the strategy side now. Yep. Uh, you know, the process, the, the raising the capital side, right? You know, and then on the finance side and making strategic decisions. But as far as a lot of the day-to-day, man, I'm pretty much out of all of it, right? And so we talk about this all the time in the boardroom that we're in, right? Going from hustler to CEO, you know, yeah. I've been able to effectively do that really quick by investing in, to your point, that enterprise value and the capital of the other people around me, the processes, the culture, you know, really heavily investing in in the right, getting the right people in the right seats, providing them opportunities to grow, learn, excel, make massive mistakes in their own rights and learn from them and develop and give them the tools to be great, right? Instead of telling them what to do. We let them yeah. tell me what to do. Yeah. That's so good. Question. Do you use like the EOS model or yeah. do you have like an implementer? Oh, yeah. Massive believer oh, yeah. in EOS, read the book. Track. I was going to say, you're, you're saying all the words that it's like, it just makes sense because we have an implementer as well. And it's been game changing in so yeah. many ways right. to really grow and scale the business, to have it organized, to have like all the all the team members feel aligned and like we know what the hell we're doing. And it, it's just yeah. wild. It, it was crazy, right? With my, you know, when I was a consultant in finance transformation, and I seen yeah. all these companies and, you know, a lot of the mistakes they were making. And so, you know, I had a very good intuition as to like what the problems were ultimately, which a lot of times stem back from nothing I could fix. Sure. And so when we started City Light, we started building out the company. We implemented a lot of these, um, you know, these strategies, but none of it was ever on paper. You know, and so I, you know, someone gave me the hint, uh, the tip to read the book Traction. So when I read it, I'm like, holy heck, I've never literally read a book that, you know, is my mind more than what yeah. this book is. So I literally immediately hired a EOS coach and we've been on running on it ever since, like to a T. Uh, we use yeah. 90.0, like everything. Like I'm a massive believer in EOS without a doubt. It's literally transformed our business. I've had people want it off my leadership team. And, um, you know, we literally live and die by EOS for sure. I love it. Yeah, we have our we had our level ten meeting earlier today with the whole team, and it it has been anybody that's serious about their business, and we all should be. Or like, why else are you doing this? Uh, you should shoot for excellence. You you should really shoot to make sure that you guys are all aligned. And I'll tell you what, like when it comes down to just that connection that you get with everybody else and know even our goals like our next 90 day goals i swear if if you look at it on paper it is so overwhelming thinking that like we wouldn't be able to do any of this in a year but we are all like very confident on our leadership team of like you know i'm pretty confident it's going to be you know it's going to be difficult but i think we're all going to be able to hit all of these and we always come very close to 90% give or take and it's you know if we can do this in the first quarter my god like what's the rest of the year going to look like 
And that's just part of that's part of the process of like moving the boat forward and all be aligned and, you know, and seeing the results. It just fuels you up even more. So anybody that's on the fence about like taking their business to the next level, I I swear, like invest in a U.S. implementer, read that damn book traction and uh, it'll start taking you to the the next level for sure. And shooting for excellence, to your point. Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more with you there. I I would say this, right? If, If cost is a prohibitor for you, even now early on, depending on the size of your business, if you're a much smaller business, then yeah. at least read the book Traction. I think 90.io, which is basically the platform it runs on, yeah, or you can use to run it. You don't need it, right? But it's a software that's kind of attached to the book Traction. I think it's like $16 a user. So like literally just oh, yeah. read the book Traction and, and more, not just read it, but like actually implement the whole book yourself of Traction and then use 90.io to, 90.io to do it. And even then, right? I mean, I highly recommend getting a coach without a doubt. Like that's been game changing for us too and allowed us to really have a coach help us through the process and then like kind of like get us in the right direction when we're making hard decisions and arguing in the, you know, on our annual, you know, our quarterly date and stuff, right? So it's important for that. Yep. That was a hard decision for us early on. We were like, because, you know, I'm very good at that stuff just because of my background of like, you know, that's what I did. Finance transformation was what I did in transforming businesses. You know, so we debated for a while, should I just run it? Because I can do really well at it, or should we hire a coach? And being able to separate me from, you know, the vision, you know, I, for a while I was actually the integrator and visionary, but separating me from running the company and my decision making, which early on was a ton, to coach, right? And we thought it'd be too difficult, so we hired a coach to take that out of it, so I could just be as part of the business, a part of the fighting, a part of the decision making collectively, as opposed to trying to do that and also right, coach yeah. and implement and, and facilitate the meeting. So it's been it's been game changing for sure. I, I would agree with you one thousand percent that everybody listening yeah. that absolutely implement. Yeah. And just like you said, you know, get at least the bare bones of the book. Start like we tried it for, I think, about a year and a half on our own, just working out the book. And then eventually you start getting better at it. But you're also realizing like you're you're cutting corners here and there or not doing it to the to the level that bringing on a coach when you can afford that. It makes so much sense. And yeah, we've seen some breakthroughs. Yeah, Wait, our, even at our accounting company, my, you know, that we started, we're. Literally a year in, we run on, you know, he runs it on 90, my partner runs yep. it all, 90.io. And, you know, I, we're literally texting today, is a coach next year a part of the game plan? He said likely Q2 to Q3. So we're already looking into that really early into the business growth. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the tool alone, it's it's very affordable. It's cheap. It's like mine's like a hundred something per month, but that's because of all the people on there. So yeah, you can reason. get away with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome. So let's talk about real estate for a second. When it comes down to your guys' leads, like how, how are you guys soaking up the lead generation? Yeah, so we're all direct to seller. I mean, it's crazy. This year's been a lot, a whirlwind, right? Because a lot of the, you know, obviously when the rates doubled, our business changed dramatically last year. And so we've navigated yeah. that, changed a lot of the markets we're buying in acquisition wise. But uh, we're, we're certainly, you know, direct to seller on our wholesale business. We'll do, you know, this quarter alone, I think we'll hit in this quarter, which is our fourth quarter of actually doing wholesales. We just spun that up in January of this year. I think we'll hit half a million this quarter, nice. which will put us on a, you know, I think one a year with a little over, I think one, two, one, three million in wholesale fees this year alone. All of that's direct to seller. You know, we're up to spending roughly $40,000 or so a month in lead gen. We're all across the board. Uh, we have three separate PPC, PPL campaigns going with a couple. We have one in-house and a couple other providers we use. 
We do mailer campaigns, right? We do uh, cold calling campaigns. We do text campaigns, right? So those are the majority. Of course, you know, we're, we're massively building a brand here in Pittsburgh since it's our only market. We're not trying to get another markets. And so certainly referral-based leads we, we get quite a bit of aside from the PPC and the PPL stuff. And then the other, you know, we own a Remax franchise brokerage as well. We have roughly 30 agents. So we play into that side some too. My partner, he's in charge of acquisitions for us. And so we have a full team doing the wholesale, but my partner decides the single family homes that we buy. And so the last six months, man, he's been, well, I'd probably call it the last three or four months, he's been crushing it back on the MLS again. And so he's put 30 to 40 offers every single week. He's doing follow-up campaigns, right? If, you know, obviously we're lowballing it to be able to get the value that we need out of the deal. Sure. You know, so we put some follow-up campaigns in on those. And so they're all coming to fruition. So most of the stuff we're actually keeping, we're finding on the MLS. And then obviously, you know, a lot of the direct-to-seller stuff we're finding, we're wholesaling those off to other investors here locally. Love it. And so you guys are primarily focusing on the backyard Pittsburgh market, right? Yeah, we'd, so we've, we've expanded it. But yeah, I mean, we were all we were primary what we call it city of Pittsburgh. Now we're, we're certainly in greater Pittsburgh now, I would call it. So we're, we're kind of in some other county. Allegheny County is what Pittsburgh's in, but we've we've branched out to some other counties now at this point. But yeah, within, you know, within 40 miles of Pittsburgh, you know, down yeah. center city of Pittsburgh, we're, we're no further than that on anything that we do. Love it. And then... Or I guess, are you guys doing any type of creative strategies? Not a or? ton of it. Create, create. No. I mean, so we we've, we've done some creative on the multifamily stuff when I can get involved and there's some more meat on the bone. And so that's sure. kind of what I'd say my specialty is right is the finance side. And so figuring out how to structure deals. And so we've done plenty of that. I'm actually working on a crazy one now. If you want me to get into that later, but yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, so on the single family stuff, we don't get super creative because it's hard to scale, right? Like I love, I love Pace Vorby's crew and the sub two stuff sure. and everything that they're doing there, but it's really difficult to scale. You're in a very niche subset of, of deals. And so it's hard to, it's hard for us to scale that. And so, yeah, we look at creative when we can, but you know, I've not trained my team to be really super good on the creative, like let that deal go and find the next. There's plenty of opportunity out there. And so it's not, you know, beat around the bush too much around like get, trying to get creative on this single deal. You know, because I'm all about scale. I'm a ma- obviously, if you look at the business, yeah. I'm like I'm a scale guy. And so, if you can't yeah. scale, it's not worth doing. If you can't put a process around it and then delegate it, like all the way down, essentially to like VAs, you know, most of the work, then it's yep. not worth doing. Because you know, in my eyes, because it's not scalable, right? I want everybody in my company scaling up, and so that's why we don't do a ton of single family creative. Yeah, I love that. Talk, talk to me about the real estate deal that uh, that's pretty creative or whatever you got going on now. Yeah. So we close, we're finalizing due diligence on a uh, 98 unit deal. And so where the, the creative side of it is, there's some different tax strategies that the seller wants to employ. And so we worked through those. We find the deal off market. And so there's no debt on the deal. Actually, they have debt back to himself, which creates even more weird stuff going on on how we had to structure this thing. But ultimately, where you're at, uh, creative financing. And so we're doing it in a different way where they have an entity where we're buying into the entity where we're buying 5% of the, of the of the deal of the entity. And so we're taking the, G, the GP partnership for 5% of the deal for 5% of the agreed upon purchase price, which is four years from now. And so we agreed on a purchase price four years from now. We buy in with, so essentially 5% down if you think about it creatively. And so we're putting the deal, the purchase price is 7.5 million. So we're putting in, I think, what is that, 270K or 300 or whatever that number is. And we're buying 5% of the GP, the seller's getting that money. Now we have 100% control of the entire deal, but he's staying in as an LP partner for 95% of the deal. 
And so structurally, the way that it works is we'll have a management company that does all the work and we'll break even at the entity level. The difference is we don't get depreciation because it's fully depreciated, but that's okay because we have so many deals, we don't need depreciation right now. And then we're paying him a consulting fee of 300 grand a year, which equates essentially to 6% interest only for four years. And so a creative way to create a GPLP partnership structure where he's keeping 95% of the LP. And the great thing is, right, it doesn't, you know, technically the real estate doesn't change hands, right? So real estate taxes won't change. We don't have to yeah. pay closing costs, transfer taxes in Pennsylvania. It's the highest in the country at 5%. We don't go pay any of that, any of those things, right? And so we have full control of the entire deal as a GP partner. We're getting all of the net income and we have an agreed upon price four years from now, only 5% down and 6% interest only for four years paid via a consulting agreement. And so pretty ridiculous. The deal is we're buying it now at the price we're paying at a 10 cap and we don't have to actually pay it for four years. <laughs> so, so pretty, pretty sick deal. What what does it look like after the four years? So on our like, pro forma, I think we're we're pretty much gonna be able to double the 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 price. I'm, like, you know, ultimately we're gonna have to get creative on how we exit it to try not to, to work on the real estate taxes and different things, but we think we can make it worth around fourteen million. We think it's worth around, you know, I don't maybe we wait to air this till it's close, but whatever, but it's probably worth around nine million, nine and a half now. We're gonna get it up to fourteen million, significantly under rented. The buildings are in beautiful shape. The only problem is six of there's seven total buildings right in a complex. Six of the seven roofs need changed, right? Or are, are old. So we gotta add some capex on the roofs. But the, the units themselves are in incredible shape. And so really all it is is just our management team going in there. It's like 30 minutes from our from our headquarters, nice. sending our leasing team in there, getting everything up to market rates. And then in four years, I mean, you know, the only sad thing is we can't get, cash in on that money until sure. four years from now, right? Until we actually go ultimately buy the the remaining shares. And so how we ultimately structure how that happens, I'm still debating, right? I'll probably sell it to myself or I might even just sell it to the open market and take a four or five million dollar gain. We'll see. It's down the line. So I'm not not too worried about it right now. Love it. How many buildings is that? It's seven buildings. Seven. Um, seven buildings in total. They're all right on a really nice parking lots, right all right together in a and kind of a uh their apartment buildings, right? Seven apartment buildings all right next to each other. So Love it. And so you guys have the construction crew already, like that's- Yeah, so we're all in-house, right? So we're fully integrated. So we have, you know, everything on our property, our property management company will take over the management side. And we have a full construction company uh, that'll come in and do, you know, most of the units are in really good shape. So our maintenance division- Nice. We'll do most of the unit turns and then any major construction that might be needed. If we got got a unit or two, we'll just send our construction group in. You know, boots on the ground is massive. I'm a firm believer in, in investing local, you know, especially yeah. newbies and newcomers. I'm five years into this thing. And I still have zero intention of really moving outside of my market unless someone else is doing the the legwork, meaning sure. I find the right partners in other markets we will. But as far as where we go as the operators, you know, boots on the ground are so massive in my eyes that we don't really plan on that right now because the, the advantage that we have here locally in Pittsburgh being here compared to any other national investors that want to come into our market. We just, you know, it's just a significant advantage. And so, you know, the brokers in the multifamily space recognize that and want to do business with us. So it makes it a little bit easier to kind of do that. Yeah. And how did you get that lead and why why is the guy selling? Yeah, we got we got that lead. He's older. His grandfather, then his dad were developers. They actually the family actually built it. Nice. He's, uh, he is Probably in his seventies, his mom. His mom technically owns a majority of the building. She's ninety eight, and they're kind of just ready to be done. Him and his two sisters still manage it. Like I said, they're in their seventies. His sisters are sick of you know. I think they have like 
15 rent ready units that his sisters are trying to rent and they're just, you know, they're older and don't know how to, you know, local market and leasing strategies. And so it's a massive market. So I don't understand why we have, you know, 50 other units right in the area. And so we know the market really well. Uh, yeah. It's just the time to get out. Right. And then we found it, how we found it was a, a mailer to him. And because he owns two single families, that's a really cool thing. A mailer hit him on a single family home and he called us You know, our Aquas agent reps are really good. And so they you know, got to talk and build some report. And he said, oh, by the way, I have this 98 unit. I'm, you know, I'm looking to maybe, uh, you know, would you be interested? And so the moment that crossed my desk, I got the phone number and I called him. We were out there next week. And then kind of me and my partner took over all the negotiations and, you know, everything to kind of get it to this crazy structure that it is now. And was this, you know, I guess one of his fears or concerns was paying taxes on all this stuff. He didn't want to. So you, yeah, you they're guys trying to kick, structuring. They're trying to kick the can down the road, right? He Because yeah. he has a massive recapture problem that he has to work through. Yep. And so he's trying to strategically kick that down the road and play it all. To be honest, I don't fully understand. I'm an accountant. I don't fully yeah. understand. I don't fully get it. I'm not going to ask questions. <laughs> yeah. Was that his ideas of doing it or somebody else on your guys' team that's like trying to structure He and I collectively came up with it. He and I collectively yeah. came up with it. He said he can't have the assets sell, right? And so I said, well, how about, you know, I said, is it owned by a single purpose entity? He said, yes. I said, obviously, I have massive risk in terms of just buying the entity in terms of any, you know, you own it forever legal, you know, legal lawsuits that might pop up, stuff like that. So, you know, I need a haircut on it. And then ultimately we kind of agreed, you know, take a small piece of the deal for a down payment. Cause I was like, look, if we're going to do this, I've got to get a creative finance because I don't have seven and a half million dollars yeah. laying around. Right. And so, and then I just kind of started getting creative on the, on how to structure it in the terms, how we can get him paid still along the way. You know what I mean? So it was collective yeah. for sure. I love it. So basically, you guys are getting into this deal 5% down, that's it, and then 300K a year to keep him basically satisfied. And, and then, Yeah, for his for his loan, right, at the end of the day. Yeah. It's really just, the way that I look at it, it's a crazy five, it's a crazy GPLP structure, but really all it is is 5% down, 6% interest only for four years. It's really kind of yeah. how you at it. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Cool, man. Well, that's uh, pretty damn impressive. I love that. All for mailers. You got to love it, man. So, uh, right. Yeah, gotta love it. So, what what does the future look like for for you and the company? What else are you guys trying to bring in house and expand to? What else are you guys taking over? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's about you know two things. One, obviously, is profitability, but you know, overall, yeah. vision, from a vision perspective, our goal is one billion in assets under management by twenty thirty, and then whatever it takes to get there, and then fully integrated, right? And so, you know, we've got our wholesaling arm that's scaling really, really well. We started a year ago. The crazy thing was for the first, and and uh, you know, I contribute this to Kent. Because, you know, Kent and I fought about it a few times. He kept saying start wholesale. I kept saying, no, I don't want to be a, uh, you know, part of my French here, but a shysty wholesaler. Yeah. You know, I realized if you do it the right way, you're not. And so we finally yeah. spun that up, got the fully integrated pro- construction, the fully integrated property management. Like I said, we start title on, uh, we're rolling title out on January 1st, right? I mean, it's just a massive opportunity to create more profitability to invest in more real estate. You know, we've got the brokerage up and running. And so we'll continue to grow the brokerage there. You know, then there's other every every arm uh, that we can in the, in that space will probably eventually integrate. We're in no real rush because you know it's got to create profitability and be right, and we've got to have the right people in place. But really, it's about you know one billion in assets under management. So you know we're going to look at different structures and they'll be able to scale faster. We've did four syndications over the past year. Next year, we're going to start a fund to create yep. a little bit more flexibility in what we're doing and have the capital more ready to deploy quicker at a bigger scale. And so we're going to do that next year with a fund and probably multiple funds as we really start to get into it. 
in order to kind of get to that billion in assets under management. Eventually, we'll probably strategically move into a couple of different markets, right? Use our expertise, partner up with some other folks in some other areas to uh, you know help penetrate those areas, take some limited investments in some different things, you know, from that perspective. But really, the goal, man, the goal is a billion dollars in assets under management by 2030. Yeah, U.S. structuring, and that's that's first and foremost. So everything that we do is to try to get to that. And then it's twenty thirty. I think I'll be just hitting forty years of age, and so we'll figure it out at that point. I think, right, in terms of creating a new vision, continue to bring the leadership team more and more into that strategic um, mindset and strategic decision making as far as what that vision looks like, right? And I think at that point it'll kind of be what's the team's vision more than kind of what's mine and my partner's vision, you know, at that point. But you know, it's the the focus is a billion in assets. That's what we're after. I'm a massive believer in portfolio growth right now. I'm a massive believer in holding more more real estate with what's going on in the market. Inflation is real. It will continue to be real. The only way this country can pay off its debt, which it never will, by the way, but the only way it can survive is to continue to have massive GDP growth. Yeah, massive GDP growth is inflation, and so when inflation comes, real estate's the best assets to be holding. And so I, I preach as much as I can till I'm blue in the face, keep more real estate. And so yeah. uh, that's the goal and that's where we want to be. Yeah, it's so true, man. I love it. And I love your goals too. Like, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, he was saying with a B, 1 billion with a B, which is awesome. And, you know, I love the book too. It's easier to, to 10X than 2X. A lot yeah. of people, once they get to a certain level, they're like, yeah, I just want to, you know, double it. You know, I just want to slowly scale this. And there's so many ways. I know you're more of a businessman. Like, you know how to systemize, grow, you know how to build the culture and delegate and really build the processes in place. So all of that, the integration that you're bringing in in-house to be able to do this is just, it, it's next level stuff. So I really love that. I mean, it, yeah, it, it really is too, to your point, the struggle, because if you think about our business and really just recently, man, right, I really started thinking about it this way, but I'm like, okay, in order to grow the way they want to grow, in order to 10X instead of 2X, which by the way, I totally agree and do like the book as well. Yeah. Well, this year we did, you know, we'll do close to hundred single family homes added and then, you know, close to, I think a hundred and some units on the multifamily side this year. And so next year alone, if we do that, we didn't grow, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, like, what do we got to be doing to really 10x, right? What do we got to be doing to really take down three or 400 single family homes in a year and, you know, call it 100 million in assets and multifamily in one year? And you got to be thinking differently, right? You've got to be changing the way that you think. I don't have the resources or the connections and network to raise that kind of capital. And so our folks are thinking differently around how do we raise capital, right? I'm going to go raise 100 million. Yeah. So really working with my leadership team around, you know, gentle is not the right word, but it's the word that came to mind around like not scaring them, right? At the same yeah. time, you know, painting the vision of like, stop thinking like, hey, you know, we're going to go raise 10 million next year or we're going to go, ra- you know, whatever. Like, no, we're going to we're going to be doing these things massively. So we need to be thinking way massive if we want to get to a billion in assets here, you know, by 2030. And so it's it's been fun trying to bring the team along with that visionary thinking. I know we'll be there. Yeah. You know, especially with the foundation that we've built, but you've got to think a little bit differently to your to your point. And so that's it's been fun. Yeah, I, I think that mindset shift, I, I was just going over this with my team about a week ago and I, I could tell some people were like shaken up and scared by it. other people got rah rah up for it. But we have the foundation and the pieces in place to be able to turn our business for like Credit Counts Elite into a million dollar a month type of 
profitable business. However, right now we're doing about 400,000. And I'm like, guys, like I want to be really clear on this. There's going to be a lot of challenges, a lot of push, a lot of like, uh, we're all going to be tested to be able to get to this level. Yes, we're going to get there, but I don't want to just be like that rah, rah, like, yeah, we're going to get there. You know, just a matter of time. There's going to be a lot of mindset pushes and obstacles to get through here because if we already had a million dollar a month type of mindset business, we would already be there. Yep. The simple fact that we're not just tells us that we're not necessarily ready for it. And so there's going to be a lot of, you know, on paper, it looks good. Everything that we have laid out, the goals, the the game plan, how we're going to get there, it makes sense, but we're not there yet. So there's going to be a lot of growth and a lot of stretching. And so I was like, hey, I just need everybody to be ready for it and to be like willing to put in like this is we're going to stretch your ass out this this coming year. You know, you know, I, I tell a lot like, you know, I have some coaching clients where we, we really work through this and it's a struggle because it's like, look, yeah. the roadmap is the key. You've got to build that the correct roadmap. You've got to have the right back end in place so you can understand your financials. I call it the peace of mind. Peace of mind is massive, right? To be able to yeah. have confidence to do it. Build the roadmap and you get there. But the, what I believe is the most important thing around all of this, and you, you need to have an incredible team to, to scale big. In order to get them thinking the way that you are, you have to be extremely communicative with them and then you have to be receptacle back of what they are. And so I always tell people, it's okay, right? That, you know, you're going to probably outgrow some of your team and that's great. And maybe some other people you're not, and that's okay too for you and for them, right? And so, you know, who maybe is on your leadership team today, who really was pivotal in getting you to where your position is at today in your company, they may not be the right person to get you to that next level, right? To break through that ceiling, and the communication just has to be open, right? Because again, it's about happiness. And so, yeah. you know, I've gone through the pains and struggles with some of my team because we've scaled fast as, you know, as we've talked about, and the pressure is is a lot, right? Like, you know, I demand a lot out of my team. It is what it is. And I do it through EOS and I'm very hands-off. I'm very macro management of like, here's your rocks. We agreed upon them and like, get them done with me once a week. But like, if you don't have problems, I'm not asking you how you're doing, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like come to me when you have questions. What I don't know, I don't know. But- Yep. And so the pressure can be huge. As long as you're very open and communicative, that whatever the heck that word is, I'm not an English major, so maybe that's my one flaw. But <laughs> um, it sounds right to me, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, like it's, it's, it's okay that maybe they're not going to be your leader yeah. in the organization forever. And so what does that look like? And let's just work through that. If it's, hey, you know, you're going to be my back office leader for two years or right now, but like ultimately you don't want that pressure, then it's okay. We'll bring someone in above you. You can have this role. Or maybe at that point in time, we work through a transition period. We find you another great job, right? Because it's ultimately about happiness. And so what happens is when you create this crazy big vision that you have, and and if you're not very strategic, and I'm not saying be strategic or not, but the, the, the strategy and the communication with your team where that happens is really understanding what their wants and desires and beliefs are and getting incredibly strategic around those conversations. And that, look, it's okay if that's not you. Like, you know, you don't say we can outgrow you, but at the end of the day, that's okay. I'll give you a really, really funny story really quick. My CFO that helped build this company with me, right? And my partner was here very early on as a CFO. We moved her into the integrator role and it was way too much pressure. And we ended up agreeing and she left. Well, guess what? She's actually coming back full time in a totally separate role, not even on my accountability chart as a consultant to really help us scale from an asset management perspective, right? Because it's a better role for her. She didn't yeah. want the pressure of leading 50 people. She's old. She's you know a little bit longer, a little bit further on in her career 
right? And so it's all about that right seat, that right person, that right seat. And as long as you're open and have good communications, things can change, right? Like they don't have to be in that role that they're in now. They can change roles. My first ever boss, another really quick story. Yeah. My first manager at Ernst Young, he spent 17 years in finance and accounting. He came to the organization within four months. You know, he and I collectively realized like that's not his best highest in use here. We moved him into investor relations and that's what he does now. He literally does nothing in finance and accounting anymore. After 17 years, his only job now is to go golf with our investors. That's it. And that's what- I know. love it. I love it. That's what he is now. And it's like, it really takes it really takes a lot of soul searching and deep diving for one, as a leader, us to be able to understand and see that and recognize the opportunity that we have. And two, for those folks on your team to recognize and understand and be okay with it. Like imagine 17 years in your career and you'd literally leave it completely and now your only job is to talk to people, right? Like it's, it's crazy to think about, but that's Different. what creates massive businesses and massive growth. And so yep. you, know, you always got to be thinking outside the box when it comes to your people plus your vision. Yeah, that's so, so good. I, I couldn't have said that any better. That it's uh it's important for people to acknowledge that stuff because as you grow, some people are gonna change and that's okay. And it's just having that communication up front is gonna be really, really helpful on both sides. Cause at the end of the day, you're not like criminal hearted or like, you know, any bitterness or like you want everybody that you like working with that are on the team as well as where you're going, like you guys all want to be on the same page and, you know, fulfilled in all different ways. Right. So, you know, another, obviously I'll give you another quick example at that point. We had an acquisition rep that came here, right? He said, Hey, I just want to learn, you know, I want to do what you guys do. You know, yeah. Mike was to be here two years, but he was going to be good and we knew it. So we said, Great. Like, here's the vision. Here's where we're going. Let's give you two years here in a company. We'll teach you everything we know. We'll pour into you and you pour back into us by giving it your all. When you're ready to leave and go do your own thing, like beautiful, right? And so that Love happened, it. right? And that guy yeah. left and everything was open and on the table. We had great communication. Like, I don't believe in two-week notices. I really don't. Yeah. Now, the reality is they'll never change and that'll happen because, you know, people want to protect themselves and I don't necessarily disagree with that. But, um, you know, I don't believe in that because if you're open to communi- and communicate regularly and understand, you know, what the other people were thinking, you know, in the conversation, then you can always create win-win situations. And that's always my goal is create win-win. Same with buying real estate. It's the same concept, right? How do we create a win-win for both sides of the table? And if we can do that more often than other people, then we're going to win more, you know? I love it, Casey. Talk to me, man. How, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, I'm on uh, socials trying to do the the social thing these days and uh, pump out content as much as I can, even though that was not, uh, Historically, me, right? I'm a nerd accountant, but at Casey Ryan Quinn on Instagram and then Casey Quinn on Facebook. I've got a business account up and running now. My personal account's on there. Actually, Casey Ryan Quinn on Facebook is is still what it is. And Casey Ryan Quinn on Instagram. I believe we have a YouTube channel, but we've got a CaseyRyanQuinn.com website. Certainly reach out to me there. We've got a YouTube page. City Life Residential is, you know, our real estate company. You know, we're pumping out content a lot these days. We have a website as well, cityliferesidential.com. Brian Kirshner is my partner. He's on the socials as well, so you can follow him. So we're, we're trying to get out there as much as we can. You know, slide into my DMs as they say, right? Jump on my website, fill out a contact form. I'd love to, love to chat. Uh, I'd love to help you grow your business, right? It's, you know, people are out there interested in kind of understanding my, my expertise is the business side, the scale side. We're rolling up some stuff around, you know, scale with Casey, which, you know, we're starting to think through how to how to get that going in a big way, right? Because I've had some coaching clients that I take on, but we've never really pushed it. You know, I'm really realizing like small tweaks in people's businesses, we could really, really help them scale fast. 
And that yeah. helps them with massive opportunity. It helps us with opportunity. It helps the industry with opportunity. You know, I don't believe in competition. I believe in collaboration. And so I'm all about that. We're all about that here at City Life. You know, full, like I said, fully integrated. So pretty much any area of your real estate business, we could really help you because, you know, odds are we've we've dealt with it. I love it. Well, bro, I appreciate your time greatly today. And guys, you definitely want to reach out to Casey, just a wealth of knowledge and the experience that he has to be able to grow and scale companies, not just one, you know, he's got multiple all in-house at this point. So you guys can definitely just take away a ton of knowledge from him. So uh, by all means, make it a win-win, go support him, share some love, reach out to him and let him know, you know, how many notes you took on on this just like I did today. But by all means, if you guys want to get a hold of me, you can always do so on all platforms, but on Instagram, it's Brandon Elliott Investments. Otherwise on Instagram too, you can check out Credit Council Elite on Instagram and then facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. If you guys are looking to sit down with us and understand what the hell we're doing at Credit Council Elite, how to be able to get you up to 500K every six months at 0% interest. We're teaching you how to do this, whether you're fixing credit, building credit, travel hacking, really being able to put this stuff to work. We can show you how to get a 90% approval odds and a fat stack of hash or cards that you can turn into cash at 0% interest. So by all means, check out creditcounselelite.com. That's creditcounselelite.com. You can book a call to get a second opinion and uh, be able to chat with us today. So with that being said, we will see you guys on the next episode. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. You'll get the newest notification every Monday when the new episode drops. Leave that five-star review. Greatly appreciate all the love, all the support. You guys are amazing. We'll see you on the next one. Casey, appreciate you, bro. Blessings, bro. Appreciate you, Brandon. You're the man. See you, bro. See ya. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.